Hello and welcome to the Hardball Gets podcast. This is another edition of the AFLW Takeover, completely packed for work and the weekend. This podcast is brought to you by the new Mazda BT50 SP, the complete package. Let's get into it. Round six, it's flying by. It's absolutely flying, <laughs> ladies. But we're we're back for another week. Got a few games to discuss, but first of all, formalities. Jen, you're at the Wacker, I believe. Mm-hmm. I am. I'm at the Wacker. While we're recording this, I'm also working at the Sheffield Shield game. So I've I've snuck myself into a Wacker meeting room. Uh, switched it from available to unavailable. So fingers crossed, everyone, that um, no one actually has a meeting booked. Well, you've booked it now. You've you've, you've put your stuff down and you're not moving for the next half an hour. And Amy, you're on your way to pick your kid up. Yep, on the way to daycare. It was his birthday yesterday. He just turned three. So um, I said I'd take him out this afternoon, so I better keep my promise. So Happy birthday. It was his birthday yesterday and you chucked him back in daycare today. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's the way it works. Tuesday, you got to keep on. You got to pay, otherwise you paid for him not to be there. I'm not doing that. Oh, <laughs> routine, routine. So easy. Like you're on school holidays, you can oh. just chuck him in there when you want. <laughs> oh wow, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep record on this, and then we'll, we'll wait and see, hey. Yeah, give me, give me, what am I, I'm 24, give me 10 years and then you can come back to me then. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Anyway, we've got a round of AFLW to actually talk about, funny or not, that's why we're actually here, so let's get into the two-minute warning. All right, kicking off with the Friday night match between West Coast and Hawthorne. The Hawks got up in this one by three points, it's me. This is a tale of two quarters and one half. The Eagles absolutely dominated the first quarter. The Hawks absolutely dominated the second quarter. And then nobody really scored in the second half. But the point I want to touch on is Michael Pryor. He's a little bit grumpy post-match. He had a bit of a crack at the umpires and said that they didn't help the Eagles get back into the game and they weren't playing sling tackles after a memo was sent out to all the clubs last week. Do we think he's starting to feel the pressure of a two-win season or is he just calling it how he sees it? I don't know. What do you think, Jen? Well, I'm always hesitant to when people go straight to sort of the umpire reasoning and I much prefer to, to look at look, in these areas, we actually lost the game. This didn't help our cause, I think, is a much more balanced way to come at those statements. So, yes, some emotion in there because it was a game that West Coast would have gone in, pencilled, probably not even pencilled, inked as a win. And I think some of their own tactics actually were their undoing. So, yes, the pressure should be on prior. It's a funny one. Yeah, and I think uh, they had a loss, I think, because so many of them wore long sleeves. What's with that? (laughs) I didn't even know they had a long sleeve jumper and then suddenly about five or six girls are running around in it. So, Frankston, little trip to I am, a, I am not a fan of the long sleeves ever. I think if my son asked me to wear his long sleeves, I'd tell him to play a different sport. You'd tell him and you'd chuck him in daycare for two weeks if he asked for a long sleeve. <laughs> yeah, AFL equals short sleeves. No, none of this long sleeve business. <laughs> and how's just done? Can we talk... 
Oh, yeah. Turning back the clock, three goals in one quarter. She just read the game and the air so well. It was remarkable to see. But apparently she's been training there all week and getting a bit Goddard's ears. So it, it came to fruition. And it, it came off the back of West Coast continuing to, to throw two people behind the ball um, again and Hawthorne going, well, we'll go with our tactic of, of sticking Duffinware at the at the end that the wind's blowing with. And, yeah, great great from the her. Um, she's very, very talented and she's got a great read of the ball, a great reader of the cricket ball as a fielder and it carries over into footy, no doubt. All right, moving on to the inaugural showdown. Port took on the Crows. So this is me. I had this as uh, last week, uh, something I was really looking forward to. I, I thought Port Adelaide would get done, and they did. The Crows winning by 60. It was 8-15-63 to 0-3-3. So they were held goalless. But the reason I was looking forward to it was because Adelaide people seemed to get around AFLW, and there was just over, you know, almost 21,000 people attended the Adelaide Oval. And the result to be, was to be expected, but I loved that the crowd turned up. Yeah, it was absolutely massive, the amount of people were there. And we know, I think, yeah, Adelaide have the record for an AFLW crowd when I think it was 53-odd thousand people turned out for their grand final a few years ago. But I just would have loved a, a better contest to kick this rivalry off. Yeah. I, I was, to be honest, a little bit disappointed in what Port put up. Like, we know the Crows are so, so good, but the Port power have shown a little bit this season and to not kick a goal, I, I thought it was a little bit of a, a miss. Yeah, I think too they, um, you know, it was a bit like a training drill. Um, they just sort of seemed to seamlessly get into the inside 50 Adelaide and, and Port Adelaide couldn't stop it. They might be a bit tired towards the end of the season, I'm not sure, but it was nice to see Chelsea Randall uh, back to her best. Um, she's so important to that team and if they can have a performance like that every week, I think that'd be quite unbeatable. Chelsea Randall clone would be ideal. Showdown medal, so slice of history for her, three goals, 27 disposals, was it six marks, seven clearances, something massive like that. So a game to remember for Chelsea. Ridiculous. Like that midfield move has been incredible and she just keeps, mm-hmm. every week she keeps getting better in that position. So I, like, why do we ever play her in defence? Like screw that, <laughs> chuck her on ball. All right, Giants and Carlton. Also me, uh, Giants, they bounced back after last week's pretty poor performance. A 17-point win over Carlton. Not, I'm not surprised that GWS bounced back. It seems to be their signature. They'll, they'll have a very off game and then they'll, they'll fight back hard the next week. And that's probably my talking point is GWS and their on-off switch. It must be very, very frustrating as a coach and as a playing group. Cotter's being a coach yourself, having come from playing, it must be very difficult to be that team that, is more known for responding after a poor performance, but that inconsistency. I think it too shows intent and whether the intent's there or not. They're obviously this season under a new coach have got a new game plan and their structure and the way they play is completely different to what they've played in previous seasons. And I think they're still learning how to play that and that play on that real fast paced game. Um, that requires a lot of energy and obviously they haven't quite got that energy consistent yet in order to be successful and have some more wins. So I think it'll come, but it is definitely frustrating as a coach when um, it is but purely based on effort um, and, and energy from the team and they're not getting it every week. And I think they do look really good when they do get speed on the ball. Like when they get it right, they look pretty, it looks like they can score pretty easily. And Jodie Hicks, I think, has added a fair bit to them since she has sort of made that role change and is now um, a bit of a ball carrier for them um, running through the ground. But 
I don't know if you guys have watched um, the Disney Plus AFLW documentary, but it's actually really interesting. They go behind the scenes of the Giants and sort of look at, you know, some pretty steaming comments from some of their senior players at the end of last season who were like, we just needed a change. Al McConnell's not going to take us forward. Um, so I thought it was pretty interesting. And the players obviously know the path they're on now, but I think it's still going to take, you know, a season or two to get there. All right, Bulldogs and Geelong. That's me. Um, Geelong obviously prevailed by one point in the end. Um, it was a bit further, but um, Bennett's kicking a goal right on the siren um, to bring it close to one to only one point. Um, I think there was plenty of ebbs and flows to this game. Um, like Geelong would get momentum, and then the Bulldogs would rest it back, and then Bulldogs, you know, would keep going back and forth. It was it was a really interesting game. Like it was very free flowing um, at times, um, but obviously it was. I found most interesting is the last five minutes of the game. So uh, they obviously ran out of time to win that game, but I think they did that to themselves. So um, Coyne had two set shots within the last five minutes um, and really further than what she could probably kick um, and also an understanding of where the game is at. Um, and then Barry taking 30 seconds to kick goal 15 metres out. Do you think they get getting communicated to about what, what's on the line and where they are at in the game? Well, it doesn't seem like it, does it? Like, <coughs> I think th- there's been a few times this season where they've, like, game awareness um, and had some really close games. So I don't know whether that's coaching or just the players running out of steam a little bit. But it has to be something you look at if the pattern keeps repeating. Because they yeah. had an opportunity to win that game. And I think if you added all the lost time from set shots and that, that they took their time and that, you probably would have had a good another 45, 50 seconds to go back to the middle and see if you could win the game. Yeah, I think that needs to be looked at. I think on the flip side, the good thing for Geelong, a win without Prosparkis, um, showing they can get it done, and, and Morrison for mine just seemed to go to another level again. I agree, and also Charlotte. I was... I was just going to put in about Shelley Scott having her best season playing forward at the moment. I think um, that's a bonus for Geelong this year. We love Scotty. Um, looking at St Kilda and Collingwood now. Magpies get it done by two. This is my, my talking <laughs> point for this. Uh, Stevens, no. Elijah James, <laughs> yes. That's it? Is that all you got for us? <laughs> That's, I'm starting it off, throwing it over to you. God, as you're a, for, a former forward and now a stellar forward uh, in the league, amateur leagues over here, Stevens, talk me through it. Well, Cotter's, uh, can I, I'm just going to bot in here because Cotter's kicked two seven in an exhibition match. So she, I, I just feel like we need to just put that on the table that Cotter's had does is known for it in actually in big games as well. Oh, Eliza! Oh wow! Total ban! Wow! Wow! Um, still nine scoring shots, I must add that there. But anyway. Um, yeah, Eliza, how's your um, <laughs> AFLW career going? Any good? Uh, yeah, no, it's, it's tracked along well. I think I'm a late bloomer. <laughs> I think um, I don't – I actually don't know how you can miss from that close. Um, you know, I'm talking about my two goal seven. I don't think I was within two metres of um, the goal line. I really don't know what she was thinking because she could even have stopped dead on the line and still had enough time to – toe poke that through so I suppose pressure and when you're under pressure and you you know there's games on the line um sometimes your brain does weird things and that's obviously um what happened 
So I had here Collingwood did have 16 scoring opportunities to just the nine. So it probably should have actually been a not as close a game as it was. But, yeah, a huge miss for Stevens. Feel for her, no doubt. But, um, yeah, not a good one to, to miss. Yeah, Collingwood, Collingwood missed so many scoring opportunities. Um, I think Frederick had two set shots from 25 metres out and missed both. Um, so they were lucky to get away with that, considering they really should have been, you know, 15, 20 points up. Hmm, agreed. All right, <laughs> Richmond taking on the Suns. That's me. Uh, Richmond got up in this one by four points, um, but they did it without their big stars. Um, last week it, when they beat Brisbane, they didn't have Katie Brennan, Sarah Hosking or Be- Beck Miller. This week they didn't have Ellie McKenzie, Hosking or Miller again, and they beat the Suns. It probably, you know, it probably wasn't the most comprehensive win, but it was their fourth straight. And I'm looking at the top eight as it is, and I sort of, I don't know, I just think that once we get to this top eight and it's set, could Richmond be the team who sort of do the most damage in finals, like have that real wild card potential? They could do. The thing for me is I went into this season having them in my top eight and also stating that they're a side for me that I feel can put a score on. Yet when I'm reflecting back on it, they're actually only averaging eight scoring shots a game or eight and a half scoring shots a game. So Mm. maybe that comes down to personnel, but I feel like that little link in their chains missing at the moment. So they're, they're fourth last for points for, but they are fifth for points against. So they're managing to defend better than I probably thought I would. I think they're lacking in their attack, though. I agree. I think they've got their defence worked out this season, but I was looking forward to an exciting Richmond, like with the players that they have, and um, I I penciled this in as the game of the round, and it definitely was not the game of the round. It was really congested. It was poor skill errors because they were so congested. They ended up with 50-odd stoppages for the game. I just think that's too much for an AFLW game in order to, to score effectively and create a game that people want to watch. So I think they do definitely need to work on that link. Yeah, it's obviously they've they've been Brisbane. That's the big, you know, scalp they've got so far. But we'll see, I guess, as the season goes on, if they can do something similar. All right, Lions and Essendon. Yeah, that's me, I think. Yeah, um, Lions got up by 44 points. Um, A wet day or early wet in Brisbane. It did stop raining after a while, but obviously it was a bit slippery. Um, But Brisbane still showed. Um, how dominant they can be. Um, they peppered the goals all game, but obviously inaccurate with bad weather. But um, be interesting to see if they had put a few more through, how big that margin would have been. Um, do we think – I'm going back to the forward line because I love talking about the forward line, but I spoke about last week about Melbourne's forward line, but Brisbane's just as strong, would you agree? Oh, 100%. Yes. They're full of athletes. Like, you look at that forward line and there's just so many fast, quick, strong, tall girls. And it just all fits together so perfectly, this puzzle. Yeah. Yeah, and I think I, when I'm, you... Sorry, Dan, I think when you give them more opportunities, like they had 32 more inside 50s than Essendon. So if you give them the ball, let them go to work, then you're always going to get a big score on the board, I think, um, with the likes of obviously Hodder and Bodie. Wardlaw is obviously having her best season, I think, um, definitely in all Australian talks. But uh, I think the more you get the ball in there, the more that they get to work. 
Yeah, they managed to hit the post five times in that game, Cotters. So um, whether it was the weather, and Bodie or had anything, three, I think, too. Yeah, Bodie three and Wardlaw two. So those guys could have kicked big, but uh, Greta was one four for the game, and Jesse was two three. So they basically resumed normal transition after their glitzy game last round. My other thought too is. Don't worry, I'll bring it up later. (laughs) (laughs) Don't let the siren put you down. (laughs) I was going to talk about the rucks, actually, but we can talk about that after the game. No, rucks are boring. They're brain. They don't have big brains. Let's move on. Not this season, that's for sure. (laughs) Yeah, true. All right, um, Fremantle v Melbourne. Amy, that's you again. Yes, um, Melbourne prevailed by 30 points in the end. Um, I think one of the better games for the Dockers this year. They kept themselves well and truly in the contest, but Melbourne were just too good in the end. Um, I thought there were some really positive signs from Frio, um, especially with them um, moving the ball forward uh, with a bit more thought and a bit more direction rather than sort of just blasting it forward all the time. Um, but their missed opportunities cost them and they stalled their momentum. So, you know, Hayley Miller missed a good goal. Gabby O'Sullivan had a couple of shots she missed and that's when Melbourne pounced and they rarely missed an opportunity to score. So I want to talk about Turbo because um, that doesn't? was just a phenomenal game. <laughs> um, and I'm considering her weak. So um, her son's been in, in hospital um, with just a minor procedure, but Obviously, um, it's sort of lack of sleep and, and all those sort of things. I think her partner ended up giving her the night before to sleep. Um, so to go through that and then end up with 10 coaches' votes in a losing side, pretty impressive. Yeah, super impressive. I didn't know that background to her, what her week was as well, which makes me look at it even better. That's unreal. Her performance. Yeah. And I... Thanks, I no, I was just going to say I love Turbo. That's it. There's nothing else to add. <laughs> Obviously, Olivia Purcell had one of her most dominant games as well. Um, she was really strong with 26 possessions. Um, I thought it was a good game to watch. I thought it was enjoyable to watch. Um just obviously Melbourne are just too strong for Frio at the moment and, and it's definitely obvious. Yeah, that last quarter said it all, really. The Demons were just like, no, we've had enough of this. Like, we should be better than you. Well, as it shows on the ladder this season. And Sabrina Duffy kicking two goals against her former side. That was a bit of a bit of a salute on her, her former home turf. Yeah, it was a bit of a, a, a dagger in the back, I suppose. But uh, even though Melbourne finished with class, as they should have, I look at Frio and just think they're not a 17th ladder position team. No. <laughs> it's no. crazy. No. Yeah. Well, it just shows that. I mean, I'm not very good with the siren today. Um, it shows, the, uh, <laughs> shows the inconsistencies of the draw and eventually, hopefully, we'll get there. Um, but obviously, yeah, Eagles and those sort of play, they, they're higher up the ladder. They've got better draws. So um, with the injuries and all those sort of things, it makes life difficult sometimes, especially when you've got a, a tough draw. Yeah, just to close off, I reckon it was almost a missed opportunity for Frio. Like, I felt like there was a bit of a feeling post-match that if they won that, they could have maybe snuck a spot in finals. But obviously, yeah. it's it's not going to go down that way. And they've shot themselves in the foot early and now they're trying to claw it back. But to round things out, we'll look at Kangaroos taking on Sydney. Um, I think Sydney... While they while their kids are good, like they, their kids have shown a bit, but I just think they're going to be that side that goes through the whole season and doesn't win a game. Um, they've already played Hawthorne. 
I think they've already played Port um, earlier in the season as well. It's it's going to be unfortunate for a side like this to not get that reward for effort because I think that's something you really need when you're a side coming into the competition and you've worked so hard. You're so, there's so much excitement about getting a licence and then to go through a season pretty much getting smacked every week, I, I just hope it doesn't have that long-term effect on their list build. Yeah, I think even just the way, like the fact they got the license, it, it my, my notes read, you know, they've got their L plates on. And even in the, the way that they put, uh, you know, Montana, Montana Ham running with Ghana, and it was like a learning role, follow her, learn her patterns, figure out what she does to make her so good. So I guess they'll take that out of the season. But it's their second game for the year where they went goalless. It's our fifth game of the entire season where there was a goalless team in it. But, yet yeah, a, a tough time for Sydney as one of the new teams. waiting for Amy to say something and get I know I was, so like, I was <laughs> like oh, is it coming I'm not sure <laughs> <laughs> all right that's another two minute warning for the week Jen back to the cricket Amy back to be a mother um for the rest of the day but <laughs> let's quickly get yeah, out always, we women are used to their dual roles aren't we yeah yeah we are well not me I don't have a kid but anyway Um, (laughs) Let's quickly get our tips for this weekend, Um, kicking off with West Coast taking on Richmond this Friday night at Mineral Resources Park. I think the Tigers get up in a fairly close one, Jen. I say Richmond by three goals and more if they have more of their players back. Yeah, I'm I'm thinking Richmond, unless Eagles can pull off a a massive score, which I would Richmond's defence at the moment, I don't quite see that. So I reckon a couple of goals as well. And then on Saturday, we have the Dockers going over to Adelaide um, to take on the Crows. I think Crows by mm, three or four goals. Oh. I say, I'll jump in for you, Connors. You can keep thinking because I know this tears your heart to pieces each week. Um <laughs> I've got Adelaide by five goals. Um, however, my one thing with Freo now is that they're in this position where they get, get to be that plucky, annoying, outside of finals chances team that can just start to be annoying to those teams in the top eight. So, you know, I, I was hoping, even though I predicted they would lose to Melbourne, I was hoping they wouldn't because they'd be plucky that way. Um, I think that's that's where they might be able to have an effect on this back end of the season. But, yeah, I do have Adelaide too strong across across the three lines and they'll get it done. Yeah, I think um, Frio do like playing in Adelaide. So there's a sneaky chance that they, they might cause a massive upset. But um, I also agree with you, Jen, that the Adelaide are too strong at the moment. They've got a lot of momentum um, and... Yeah, they're looking good, so I still think they'll get over the line. Perfect. All right, hold us to these tips next week, but that's another Hard Ball Gets completed. Make sure you like, subscribe, follow us wherever you get your podcast so you don't miss a thing. And, ladies, we got a review. How good. We got a review on Apple Podcasts. It was from someone that I'm not going to even read the name out. I think it's a fake name because there's a lot of Ds, a lot of Is, a lot of Js, a lot of Ms, all just sort of mixed in together. It's really long. It's like... It sounds legit. Yeah, it sounds legit. But he or she or they said they like our banter and they like what keeping up to date with the women's season now that the men's is finished up. So make sure if you like 
your banter, you get on and leave us a review as well because that's what we're here for. Nothing about football, just all bants, um, but <laughs> completely packed for work <laughs> and the weekend. This podcast was brought to you by the new Mazda BT50 SP, the complete package. We'll see you next week.